Well, hello there, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show, and not not just a run-of-the-mill, ordinary edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. Of the no, 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 no. Tonight is the very first podcast of 2022. It is January 6th. 2022 we are ringing in the new year wrestling folks all together with the premier destination for wrestling chit chat on the thursday night starting at 9 p.m eastern 8 central on youtube.com slash mr warren hayes like that's the premier place right there I'm really glad that you guys are here. I'm glad that you're uh, tuning in uh, live, that you're listening to this on demand or on your own uh, favorite podcast application to ring in the new year with me. I really appreciate it. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year to everyone who has stuck around all this time. Uh, I I am still boggled uh, by the fact that people do listen to this and more and more people are and seem to enjoy it and... uh, and that's wild to me. And I sincerely appreciate it. And I sincerely appreciate you taking time out of your day uh, to to just listen to me uh, talk about pro wrestling for the next uh, for the next few minutes or so. Thank you so much. I hope you all had a wonderful holiday season. And I am glad that we've got a live crowd once again here tonight joining us en direct got Kelly Tonjes. Hi, Kelly, who's here again. Happy New Year. And Robert Larry as well. They, they're they always there from the start, from the get-go, before anyone else gets here. This is where they're at. Kelly, Robert, boom. Nice to see you both. Happy New Year to you both. We've got our boy Ben, Phantomark82, who's here as well. Nice to see you. Heather, hello and welcome. Nice to see you too. Justin Firestein as well. It's great to have everyone here. J.S. Brown is here too. Happy New Year too. Nice to, just a good time. It, it warms my heart and, and I'm just really happy to see everyone hanging out here tonight. <clears throat> and if you're already here and you feel like it, you feel you feel like a, a, a good way to kick in the New Year would be to leave a like on Warren's video. Well, hey, go ahead and do it and leave a like on Warren's video. Whether you're watching live, whether you're watching on demand. It's fantastic. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast application, thank you by the way, then why don't you leave a review? Leave a five-star thing. You can leave five stars on Spotify now. You can leave the five-star reviews, of course, on on Apple Podcast as well. And here's something. If you're watching or if you're listening to this on, on Spotify right now, you can flip over to the video. The video uh, version of the podcast, what I essentially record live, is also available on uh, on Spotify as well so you can you can flip between both you can see my face on spotify there are premier recording artists who who sell who put out albums records <laughs> discs who put out entire albums on spotify like drake and ariana grande and you can't see them as they're singing but you can see me doing my thing right now on Spotify. Isn't that just wild? I know that's where the future is, folks. Trust me, it's exactly where the future is. 
But uh, thank you in advance for all the support. I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate you so much. Yes, and Bad Bunny as well. WWE superstar. Bad Bunny, indeed, chat, is also there. Um, so thank you, Ben. You know, I also appreciate all the support that you guys show for Bell to Bells. Of course, belltobells.com, Women's Wrestling Wire, Passion Project, something that I, I love doing with uh, with, with uh, Kristen Ashley, who is the editor-in-chief of Bell to Bells and also the editor-in-chief of my heart. Uh, we, we, it's, it's a fantastic passion project and I appreciate everyone supporting it. Belltobells.com, Twitter.com, Belltobells, YouTube.com slash Belltobells. How do you spell Belltobells? If you haven't figured it out by now, you must be new here. B-E-L-L-T-O-B-E-L-L-E-S.com. Um, you know what we're doing right now? We are releasing, we are currently releasing day by day our top, our list of top 500 female wrestlers, women wrestlers of 2021. And we're do, we're, 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 we're releasing them by batches of 100 over the next few days. We're getting great responses for it. People have been, te- had been saying, uh, you cannot make 500 the list of women wrestlers. There are not even 500 f- f- women wrestlers. And we like, oh yeah, bet. And we took it and we have a great list and we're sharing it out there on twitter.com slash bell to bells. Um, go check it out. Go check it out. It's uh, it's it's fantastic. It's really really cool, and I really dig it. I really dig it. Uh, so uh, so there we go. I did some uh, Wrestle Kingdom post shows over the past couple of days. My sleep schedule is completely thrown off, but it was worth it, especially for night two of Wrestle Kingdom. I'll talk about Wrestle Kingdom probably a little later, but go check those out if uh, if you haven't watched the shows, you're not you're not quite sure, or whatever. You just want to hear someone's opinion. I was joined by Lord Mags, uh, my my buddy, chum, pal, comrade. He jumped in, came and and reviewed both nights of Wrestle Kingdom with me. Uh, and I appreciate him a great deal for doing that. Thank you again so much, Magsy. I know you're out there. Uh, and uh, so we have complete breakdowns of both nights, night one, night two, individually. Go check those out. Um, yeah, I'll talk about Wrestle Kingdom in a little bit. So, But uh, take the time to go watch those. Those were, they were a lot of fun to do. I get it. I always have a good time with uh, with Mags. It's fantastic. And now there's the final night of Wrestle Kingdom, or look, what I like to call... Very, very simply, the New Japan uh, Noah crossover show, which is happening this Saturday. And yes, I'm doing a post show for that as well. And I'm going to be joined by Kevin McElvani, editor-in-chief of Pro Wrestling Illustrated this time around, to come and break down the action once we're done immediately after the show. So like, what, 7 a.m. Eastern, something like that. I don't know what time it's going to happen. But uh, once it's done, then uh, Kevin and I will pop in. Excited to have Kevin on the show um, great guy, good brain of rest for wrestling. I'm excited to talk to him about uh, talk with him about the show. I'm not gonna talk to him, talk with him. So that's that's fantastic. Don't forget, folks. There's also a Discord, Mr. Warren Hayes Discord, wrestling talk all the time. And we do talk a lot about wrestling, but there's off-topic channels as well. Lots of Marvel Cinematic Universe fans out there, video game aficionados as well. Uh, we have a channel dedicated entirely to food and drink. Uh, so, you know, even if you're like, I don't necessarily feel like talking about wrestling today. Maybe you'd like to share with us your uh, your most recent recipe of uh, kakova, for instance. Oh, 
look, come on over and show us. And then we'll be like, wow, that looks fantastic. You know, that kind of stuff. It, that'd be great. Um, so the, uh, thank you. Uh, come and join us. Link is in the description. The bot is also going to roll around and, and, and do stuff as well. Uh, don't forget to also join us for the post stream after we're done here. It's for members of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel, so become a member. If you want to join the post stream, what do we do on the post stream? Well, we sit around and we talk to each other. I talk with people in the chat, take Discord calls. Tonight, match of the years. That's what we're talking about. That's what I want to hear. That's what the members are coming in with their match of the years. Top three, the ones that really made them tremble to their core. Throughout 2021. So if you're a member, you want to come talk about the best matches that you saw over 2021, become a member, come and join us. Plus, you get nifty little badges if you come live. I, I, I've, I've released brand new membership badges on top of that. Plus, you get exclusive emojis. Look, if you're, if you're a live viewer, I think it's a good deal. And look, we're at the start of the year. We're at the beginning of, uh, of a month of the year. I think it's a good time to try it out. You try it out for the month, and if you like it, you renew. If not, if not that's cool. Good, but I, because the, the way I see it, the more the merrier. That's how I see it. And you can also show a little support by dropping a super chat, and I will read your question and or comment live and on the air. Got a bunch of people joining us in the chat. Thomas Gorys, nice to see you, Thomas. Good to see you. Supersonic X, ooh, nice to see you as well. Hey, we got Katie from the Shalit Showcase. Nice to see you. Hope you have a good show tonight as well. Thank you very much for popping in. And Ray Clark. Nice to see you, Ray Clark, who just, just dropped in. Um, so, yeah. Uh, 2021 uh, resolutions, right? This is the time of year that we think about what we can do to improve and better ourselves, challenge ourselves, so on and so forth. So, I, you know, I have a, a, you know, I set up a little list of resolutions, like I think everyone else does, formally or informally. There's at least some targets that you set for yourself, right? And uh, and as as far as far as oh, and security knocks. Nice to see you as well. Um, the um, the uh, and as far as resolutions go, well, you know, I have a few in regards to uh, wrestling. I want to watch more Japanese wrestling. I want to get into Noah more this year. I want to dive deeper into Joshi. I want to get Stardom, Tokyo Joshi Pro. Those are my main focuses. That's what I want to get much more into this year. I want to continue supporting independent wrestling in North America as well. I want to do it more on the show. But mostly, there's one thing that I'm really putting myself out there. I'm absolutely putting myself out there. Uh, Going to try my best to do. Uh, and... Um, uh, so uh, one, there's one thing that I absolutely want to do, and that is to uh, try and change my attitude towards one Bill Goldberg. So my challenge here, my resolution, is that I'm going to try to say one nice thing about Bill Goldberg every week on this show. That's what I'm going to do. So essentially... And I'm going to premiere it tonight. We're going to start doing it right now. A little segment that I'm going to like to call 52 Nice Things About Bill Goldberg. Robin Hayes has 52 nice things to say about Goldberg. Bald is a good look for Bill Goldberg. Robin Hayes has 52 nice things to say about Goldberg. That's how we're kicking it off, Bill Goldberg. 
Um, before we get to the rest, the, the weekly wrestling inspection proper, I would, uh, we got some, uh, some sad news, uh, today that, uh, Shozo Strong Kobayashi passed away at the age of 81 years old. Uh, Shozo, Shozo Kobayashi is a, he's a, a, a fairly important figure in the history of Japanese professional wrestling. He began his career in 1967. Uh, wrestling for the IWE, uh, the International Wrestling Enterprises Group, that had predated uh, All Japan and and, and New Japan. Um, And uh, this is a guy who fought uh, tons of people. He fought Andre the Giant, for for instance, in a 37-minute best two out of three falls uh, at uh, the World Series Tournament, which was a Basically, the IWEs, I guess, a big tournament of the year. They're, they're like their they're G1, and I'm doing like major quotes here. But yeah, in 1972, he did that. He also wrestled in North America quite a bit uh, in the AWA as Strong Kobayashi um, uh, because the IWA and AWA had a working relationship. Uh, and he was IWA champion until November 3rd, 19, uh, 1973. Uh, wait a second. Uh, yeah, no, that's it. He, uh, yeah, exactly. Until 19, 1973, I got confused on a date here. But yeah, until 1973, when he jumped to a, a fairly new wrestling promotion that had been started up by uh, a gentleman named Antonio Inoki. Might have heard of the promotion called New Japan Pro Wrestling. Inoki was uh, NF, uh, NWF champion at the time. The NWF, the National Wrestling Federation. That was, I think it was Pedro Morales' um, uh, promotion. Uh, back in the day, and Kobayashi, who had never lost the IWA belt, had built a massive feud for, like, December in 1974, uh, which they held at the old Sumo Hall, uh, and at the time was the biggest event in New Japan's history. It drew, like, 16,000 people at the gate and uh, and a 20% TV rating on top of that. It was a it was a big time stuff. Kobayashi was always one of the top guys in New Japan. Uh, fought every great name that wrestled in the seventies and early eighties: Andre the Giant, Stan Hansen, uh, Fujinami, Tiger Jeet Singh, and a young and up and comer named Hulk Hogan as well. He retired from pro wrestling in nineteen eighty four. Came back in the nineties for a, a one a one off a tag match for New Japan Pro Wrestling's twentieth year celebration um but uh and has been pretty much removed um from the limelight uh at uh, from that point moving forward so um uh, condolences go out to uh to his uh, loved ones his family and everyone who survives him uh shozu kabayashi passed away at the age of 81 again just before we uh we get into the uh just before we get into the uh to the inspection there's a little thing that happened on december 31st 2021 um the um it was look a couple of weeks ago we we, we had found out we had learned that uh that big swole's aw contract was not going to be renewed uh it was a mutual understanding between her and uh and the company uh and everything was, was fine last week Swole released uh, uh, an episode of her podcast where basically she ran down her AEW experience, which was overall positive. Uh, she putting over a lot of aspects in the company while also offering some slight criticism, you know, reasons why she left. She just wanted to put that out there 
and uh, and some criticism on how the company could do better and offering up some some ideas, some solutions, some some thoughts. Wrestling outlets picked up quotes from the podcast and there was <laughs> there was much inflammation, I guess you'd say, uh, uh online uh despite the fact that she was uh extremely level-headed right uh, and uh and overall very complimentary uh of her experience there uh quotes generally have a tendency to do that they get people angry because they're uh typically uh, there there's a lot of context sometimes that's lost and this led to tony khan of aew wrestling uh to uh to tweet the following on December 31st. The two top AEW executives are Brown, me and Mega. Jade, Bowens, Caster, Dante, Nyla, Isaiah, and Mark Quinn all won on TV this month. The TBS title tournament has been very, very diverse. I let Swole's contract expire as I felt her wrestling wasn't good enough. AEW Rampage Street Fight tonight. Um... Uh, Swole spoke, of course, a lot about the the diversity issue, which is one which is very, very, um, which is um, uh, which is uh, very much uh, uh, to, in the forefront of a lot of discussions uh, amongst wrestling fans. Uh, and uh, um, so, Khan, uh, Tony Khan decided to to, to tweet this out. Uh, and he used a, he basically co-tweeting an article, uh, a Fightful article that had used the, of course, that had the quotes on and so forth. So I don't know, like, how much Tony actually listened to the podcast or was just feeding off these quotes or whatever. But it was a very, very strange quote that ignited a lot of discussion, a lot of debate on top of that. And I wanted to talk about it, but I also wanted to talk about it uh, in, a, uh, in a way that made sense to me. You know, me, myself... 47-year-old white male uh, talking about diversity issues uh, and promoting them might come off, might, might come across as a little strange. So since I needed to talk about this, I decided to reach out uh, to a colleague, a pal, um, and uh, and invite them on uh, to, to chat. So I was able to record a segment earlier this week with uh, Jeshel Nicole, who is managing editor at uh, Bodyslam.net. She was gracious enough to give me a, uh, some time so we could chat about this uh, this discussion so I could pick her brain and get perspective from someone who is very, very uh, involved, very, very concerned uh, by uh, all these discussions here. And uh, I'm going to uh, share it with you right now, my discussion with Jeshel Nicole, Managing Editor of Bodyslam.net. So ladies and gentlemen, I am very, very happy to be joined right now by Bodyslam.net Co-Managing Editor Jeshel Nicole, who's joining me right now. How are you doing, Jeshel? I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to talk about such an important issue as well. So, well, because it, it is, and 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 I th I can't thank you enough for taking the time to to pop on and record this little segment with me because uh, because I do think that it it, it warrants uh, a little conversation. Um, and let's go back to the tweet, the tweet, right, the one that yeah. ended the year on such a high note. Um, uh, <laughs> one that, of course, Tony Khan put out. Um, from my perspective, right. I read the tweet and I'm like, it, I look at it and I say, what an unprofessional tweet, right? Uh, just going out there, saying the things that he did, and especially, you know, being uh, just I'm flat out saying, you know, oh, my, for my former employee just wasn't any good. You know, I there's something very... 
there was something extremely unprofessional about it, yeah. especially coming from a CEO president uh, of a company. Um, what was your first reaction when you saw it? My first reaction was I'm having a panic attack. Literally, I had a breakdown, especially, okay, I I released an article right around when Swole left um, AEW that kind of introduced me to Swole in real life. So like me and her actually are are pretty close now. So specifically to see that message, I was like, okay, I don't know how I'm supposed to react to this. But the first thing I thought was this was a microaggression, it seemed like, like people have have described it. as unprofessional, like you said, but I also feel like if you dig a little bit deeper, there has to be some reason he's feeling this way that it's beyond uh, mm-hmm. just the comments that she made or anything like that. And when I when I first read it, I was like, "This isn't a real tweet. This isn't this isn't real at all." And I I was um, looking at tweets originally just because the article had been released. I was on the podcast when she was recording it. Like I was literally in the the call in app with her. Like I talked with her on the podcast also. So I was like, Oh, people aren't going to misconstrue her words. If they listen to it, that was me being reasonable. People are not always reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, I was expecting them to just be like, okay, this is a constructive criticism that um, an, a former employee is giving to an employer. Will actually made this correlation on grab city of, former employers leaving reviews on like a glass door or an indeed or something like that, where the employers don't normally respond. Um, But this is social media. So the employer actually has access to these records and people were saying that it's fair to respond because it was a public comment made by Swole. Well, people don't normally respond. If you look at the WWE, no matter how good or bad they are, they don't respond to things like this. And I'm wondering what made it okay for him to think that it was fine to respond to this, especially in that way. And the fact that he hasn't released an apology by now mm-hmm. is extremely scary. We've seen the messages that Swole have received, has received recently, like death threats and all of those things. And it's extremely scary. And that's only being encouraged by the fact that he hasn't apologized or mentioned it. Or what kind of seems like as having other people say things for him almost like instead of him releasing an apology it's other people are releasing statements and things like that which is amazing to see their experiences and to know that they're okay and that they're happy there but that's also not swole's experience at the same time and that's also not an apology either so Uh, and you're touching on some fantastic points first and foremost you know uh shout out to will hobbs right because he's he tweeted uh the fact that he feels that you know AEW is doing great and he was given opportunity so on and so forth and his mm-hmm. experience is great but that should not invalidate exactly. someone else's experience and at the same at on the same level i don't think well what do you think do you think it's fair because a lot of people have been criticizing will hobbs then and really going hard at him do you think that that type of criticism is warranted for him I feel like there was a reason it is happening and it has to do with who he is um so if, if we look at the run that Will Hobbs has had in AEW right now, he's getting positioned well for the future. He's at a place where lots of people are are t- talking about him when they're like, who's in the picture of, of a black male that could be a star or could be a champion? And the reason that um, it's interesting that he's releasing that statement is because he's one of the people that people are naming when talking about black male representation. And that's why some people are like, okay, this is weird that it's coming from him, but he's supposed to be the black male representation that we're looking for. And and people are kind of confused. And I can understand why they might be confused by it. Will Hobbs hasn't been used the best in that company. Like, I think he could have been used a little bit better, to be honest. But as long as his experience is positive, we need to take his word for that and accept him and be happy that he's having a positive experience. We can still want more for him. I'm guessing he still wants more for himself. 
But um, I, I think we still need to remember that these people are human, one. And, and two, if, if this is how they feel, they have a right to say it. So if, if he wants to either stick up for AEW or defend AEW or whatever he feels it is, then he has the right to do it, especially as a black man in that company. We're speaking about diversity. He has an experience that he wants to share, which relates to diversity. I agree. Well, since we're on the topic, because uh, I do want to talk about the quotes, but since we're talking about diversity, it's a topic that comes out quite a, that comes up quite a bit uh, in in wrestling. I see your face already changing about it. <laughs> tell, tell me, uh, Jayshal, why why is uh, diversity and representation in pro wrestling important? Okay, um, let me start. With- <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, it's the big one. But- I'm gonna. I'm going to start with Bianca and Sasha. I'm going to start there because I feel like that's a great a great point for me to start at. I cried when I saw Bianca and Sasha happen. I, I literally saw a woman, two women who looked like me on a stage that big, main eventing WrestleMania. If I wanted to be a wrestler, I would have been like, that's my goal. They're literally achieving my goal. And I know it's possible because I'm seeing them do it. And if you look at Bianca specifically, she literally represents almost everything that it means to be a black woman. I don't have the like the singular braid, but I have multiple braids. You, me and her resonate. I literally actually got a cameo from her like at the beginning of the pandemic, and she told me that I inspired her, and I literally cried and cried tears and tears and tears. But when we look at these people and we see ourselves in them, that means so much more than I could explain. Like not even looking at me, looking at like little black girls who look like Bianca and Sasha. And for them to see that, oh, these people are doing something that I am. These people are stars. These people are on my TV. It gives them so much inspiration. And then we, when we look at like black males specifically as well, like we look at Big E, we look at Kofi. Look at Kofi's son, the joy that he was experiencing when he saw his father finally reach that milestone. Yeah. We see that, um, that mirror image of looking at yourself and looking at like a child who sees themselves in you. And I think it's so important that we have that because if you look at like white men and women, they have that and they don't have to clamor for that. They don't have to work for that. Like their children see themselves in them without having to ask for more on TV. There's lots of people who already look like them. Um, Swole even said when she was um, in AEW, her daughter didn't see any people that looked like her on TV. And that was one of the major concerns for her. And I think that's super valid because if I'm looking at AEW right now, I, I see maybe Jade Cargill looks a little bit like me. We're not like, I'm not as big and strong as her. Love not, her a to death. People, not a lot of people are like Jade Cargill, but exactly. I do get the point. Yes. And exactly. <laughs> but when I look at Swole, I literally got my hair color to match hers. Like I literally see so much of myself in her. So when I was seeing her on AW, I was like, Swole is my person. Swole is my girl. She's mm-hmm. my representation in this company. And I think so many of us look for that in people. Like that's why Shane to the promotions is so important. Like people see so many of themselves in SCP and the representation that they've provided to the industry across the board. Mm-hmm. No, that's very interesting. And, uh, and, uh, you know, still on this topic, you know, one of the things that I, I know you see it cause I see it too. And it makes, it makes me cringe. And I can only imagine what it means then for people who are truly impacted by, uh, by this issue. Uh, you know, you'll have people talking about representation and then you'll have the responses. Oh, but Nyla Rose was champion and, and the Lucha Bros are tag team champions. What more? Like, there's your representation. And sometimes, and listening to, to my black uh, colleagues and friends, you know, they often make a point. It's like people of color and being black, not necessarily the same thing. Is that something that you that you agree with, that you feel is is a thing? Bong right on the head. Um <laughs> 
we'll even talk about it. We, when we talk about diversity and representation, we are specifically talking about black representation. And I feel like maybe that's a miscommunication on our part. Maybe some people are cherry picking when we're talking about that. But mm. I have a couple of stats that I wanted to take down. Um, the last time on AEW TV that a black male challenged for the AEW world title was back in November. And that was Scorpio Sky. That was November 2019, to be exact. So that's two years ago. Okay. Rich Swan happened in Impact or whatever it may be, but on AWTV specifically. And if we look at the last four pay-per-views of 2021, um, we saw at Revolution, Ricky Starks lost, and then Scorpio Sky won. And those were the only two black men on the card. We look at Double or Nothing, Anthony Agogo and Scorpio Sky both lost. This is not including the Battle Royal. We look at All Out. Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn lost on the pre-show. There were no black males or black females on the main card, not including the Battle Royal. And at full gear, Nyla Rose and Scorpio Sky both lost. Nyla Rose was on the pre-show. So as we're looking at this, we need to see um, stars being built. And there's not representation on pay-per-views, as, as it seems right now. There's this much representation. Um, I'm hoping this is going to begin to change as we bring in some new people like Keith Lee and Shane Strickland if they do end up in AEW. Um, but right now, they have some young stars that it could be elevated a little bit more. I think if we're being honest, when we look at Ricky Starks, and he's saying that he's ready to go. He there, People were like, oh, but he's injured. It seems like he's, he's ready. And he deactivated his account because obviously there's so much pressure that has to deal with this. And it, it was so sad to see that but as we look at these future stars we need to see a path to championships here we need to see a road to success and right now i don't feel like i'm seeing that too much unless i'm like maybe scorpio sky with the tnt title i'm not mm -hmm. completely sure i thought that was the path before but now cody has it and he beat ethan page and i don't know if that's where we're going but we haven't seen a black male hold a singles title yet and that's extremely concerning for me with how many title changes there have been. And they have two different varieties of championships, the TNT title and the AW world title. And specifically for people to say that the, there are stars there aren't ready, that's discrediting and disvaluing the black talent that is there. If they really wanted to, I don't want you to tell me they can't put a belt on Will Hobbs right now, a TNT title, or on Ricky Starks. Uh, yeah, you just gave me shivers because that was pretty much what I was going to say. Like Sometimes I feel like people don't quite get the just how pro wrestling works and exactly. it's you know at some point it's just the head the the booker the guy who has the pencil the whoever's in charge says this person is getting a push that's how exactly. it works uh and we we there there is history jshell to prove that there are tons of people who weren't ready who got the push and got the titles anyway they're like there's history precedent it's a I'm I'm completely with you with, on that. Well, how about some advice? What if I were to ask you, uh, someone who sees a representation tweet out there, for instance, and suddenly feels compelled to pull out the Nyla Rose with uh, uh, Lucha Bros argument? What would you tell them? What would you tell them to do, as opposed to go out and 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 tweet something like that? Yeah, first, don't tweet. Don't delete, your, <laughs> delete your Twitter account if that's what you're going to do. One. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, but actually, um, I think it's important to do the research here. Uh, when we look at statistics like this and, and what was the last time a black male challenged for the world title on AEW TV, these statistics, mm -hmm. they're, they're not lying. And I understand that there's the women's world title and Nyla. Nyla is not 
a, a diversity check all the boxes person. She said it like almost out of her mouth that she's not interested in that. And that's not who she is. And it seems like people always call tokenize, uh, tokenism or, or pushing people or they don't deserve it or shortcuts or whatever. But if you're using these people, you're tokenizing them for, for their titles that they've won. You're, you're limiting them to just who they are as in their race, not because of they've won these championships because they deserved it. I, I'm honestly disgusted when I see tweets about diversity, when it's obvious that we're talking about black representation. There is no need to cherry pick because somebody used the wrong words. Like, I don't, I don't think that that's necessary. Um, but there's one other thing I wanted to mention before that I didn't get to, but we didn't, if, if we look at Darby Allen and Jungle Boy, when they first came to AEW, I don't think we really saw them as like huge TV stars like they are now. Mm-hmm. And we only saw them like that because the company got behind them. Mm-hmm. So if the company gets behind people like Ricky Starks, Dante Martin, Will Hobbs, as strongly as they did, we would see these strong title contenders and we would see people in these same positions. But I'm not really seeing that right now. I, AEW, if you're listening, Lee Moriarty is right there and you need to push that man to the moon. He's right. He's there. ready too. He's he, like oh, he, he's been ready for, for, for a while and he has all the intangibles. Like, you know, yes. he's one of these guys he could build a promotion on. Exactly. Um yeah, b- before we wrap things up, just uh, one more thing I'd like to talk about. You know, there's there's been instances, right, in the past where wrestlers have gone on various media outlets uh once they leave their promotion of choice. And they go on to uh, go on to uh, media outlets to, you know, practically bury their former employer, right? And they're heralded practically as heroes, right? We almost throw parades for them. I feel well. I'd argue that Swole isn't getting that same level of support, despite the fact that she has been gracious and courteous and so kind in the story that she put forward, which I think was smart, by the way, for her to get her story out instead of having a narrative crafted around it. I think it was a very smart idea for her to do. But I don't feel she's getting that level of support. What What do you think? I think there's two reasons that's happening. I think one of them is because she's from AEW. Normally when we see like that that positive support around criticism, it's coming from WWE. Not saying like that one is better than the other. Yeah, I'm not going to get into the tribalism stuff, but it seems like a lot of the issue is one, either because of tribalism or two, straight up racism and sexism. I feel like there's no in between. Like it's one or the two reasons. Uh, she is a black woman in wrestling, and it's already so hard for black women specifically to get booked and things like that, to get booked on shows. For an employer to come out and say that you embattled her job that messes with your money and that messes with her future and her career and her family and all of those things. And that's super alarming. But when we look at other people like John Moxley, for example, and they're coming out of these companies and, and they don't have the most positive things to say because they've had negative experiences. They're like, Oh, go to AEW. That's the place where there's a family. How are we supposed to believe that there's a family? If this is how you treat somebody once they leave, it's super concerning when we, when we look at Swole's story, how she's told it, we're never kind enough, it seems like, as Black women. We always either have to be super, super nice and people try to find holes in our story or we try to do it just right and and then there's still issues and anger surrounded by the way we're telling our story. Or or even I heard some issues with like the tone of voice that Swole took in, in the episode, which was like, 
she's literally speaking and that it's just so much um implicit bias i think that people aren't even doing the research to kind of figure out or or looking into themselves and seeing what is the reason that they're taking issue with her comments or any of those things and i think um there's a saying that like black women are the most disrespected women in in america and in the world and i think that's incredibly true here i think if we would have seen somebody else or if we eventually do see somebody else kind of come out and say comments like that not that i want the reaction to happen to them but it will be interesting to compare to see how the reaction to swole is versus the reaction to them i i would just like to see if there is a change in in the conversation based on who the who the person is i i think it's very interesting and telling of the characters of the people who feel the need to address the situation. And I feel like I had to set a very, very hard boundary when the Big E situation happened with the, the Brock Lesnar thing. And I was like, I don't have the capacity to talk to people who don't understand this. If you haven't done the research, or if you don't understand the history of being black and wrestling, I don't have the capacity to argue with you about this. Specifically as a black woman, I don't have the emotional capacity to argue with somebody who was just going to try to tear down my point because I'm defending somebody who is black and it, some of these situations get so toxic and the conversations get so um nasty that there's no reason for us to even have the conversation in the first place mm -hmm. unless we're both going in with positive intentions of making a change there's no reason for us to be having the conversation that's a very interesting point yeah because conversations oftentimes on social media don't aren't that exactly right and there's yes. a lot of people who aren't necessarily looking for that at the time that we're recording this um you know tony khan hasn't redacted his statement there hasn't been an apology um do you feel that this is something that uh, he should do i think that's up to swell i oh, from when i ta last talked to her she told me that she was okay if she um if she wants an apology privately or publicly, I think that's her decision to make. For us to say that she needs a public apology, um, I, I think that's her decision, specifically since she was the person that was targeted. If she wants this to be done and she wants it to be over and just has the tweet deleted or whatever it may be, I think that's her decision. I think she needs to be the one that we consult when we're trying to move forward um, with this situation. It's her who was most affected. Uh, so I think that's important to kind of look to her for that decision. Are you tell? Are you saying that we we should be talking to each other instead of reacting? Is that what you're, <gasps> what you're telling me? Magical idea. I wonder who's ever thought of it. Crazy, crazy stuff. <laughs> uh, Michelle, I want to thank you so much for for joining me uh, to to break this down a little bit. Some fantastic insights. Thank you so thank much. You. Uh, we enjoy your work over at Body Slam. Let everyone know where they can follow you on social media and where they can make sure that they don't miss a minute of what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you guys can follow me at Shell Nicole right on the screen over here. Um, I'm doing some writing work. I do lots of podcasting stuff on Body Slam. I got a show called ADHD Divas on Sunday at 6 p.m. Bianca time or EST. Um, but that show is lots and lots of chaos. We talk about wrestling a little bit. A lot of it is just like comedy bits. Uh, I have to eat a jalapeno pepper on this week's episode not super excited for that but my best friend ate an onion on the last episode so it's only fair listen if i can give you a tip you take the seed try to try to get some of the seeds out before because okay. that's where the heat is okay that's exactly what i'm gonna do then because i already know i'm gonna cry if you want to see me cry and laugh at me crying then i guess you should tune in bianca time you, 6 p.m absolutely absolutely should 6 p.m <laughs> est that's fantastic yes. Shell again thank you so much for joining me today i really appreciate it Thank you so much.
There we go. <laughs> I didn't realize my mic was off, but hey, I'm okay now. Um, uh, thank you very much, Jay Shell, uh, for a fantastic segment, a, a great talk, and some fantastic points. So glad that uh, Jay Shell took some time to come and chat with me. She was in the chat even during the segment live here. Uh, so uh, just absolutely fantastic. So th- thank you so much, uh, Jay Shell Nicole, managing editor of Bodyslam.net, a fantastic person, fantastic talk. And uh, go watch. Let's go watch or eat a jalapeno on Sunday. I think that'll be fun. All right. Time for the weekly wrestling inspection, folks. We like this music, don't we? Listen to it again. All right. Um... Let's let's get into all of this nonsense. Been running a poll here that I'm going to uh, uh, that I'm going to end here. Here we go. Asking about WWE Day One, which was the big pay per view to kick off the new year from World Wrestling Entertainment. I was asking the live chat here, how would you rate a a a, a Day One? Uh, the day one pay-per-view this Sunday. Thumbs up, thumbs down. 64% of the live viewers here gave it a big old thumbs down. Well, 35% gave it a thumbs up. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting to me because uh, it well interesting. The um, I I I have trouble understanding not trouble understanding i'm realizing as things go on that i have a certain uh disconnect with a lot of people who watch wrestling because i was look i i i i sat down to take a look at day one to to watch it what do you mean take a look warren to watch it and i was like this show's not good this is not a good show and but I saw I saw flowers being thrown everywhere. Uh, people saying this is I, I you know I got people straight up in my mentions on Twitter going you're insane. This was a fantastic show, great action, belt to belt, top to bottom. I was like we are not watching the same thing. Like clearly, clearly there is stuff, and this is something that I'm coming to grips with. There are things that. WWE, that people who really, really like WWE, there are things that they look for that they're able to find. And clearly, what I want out of my pro wrestling, WWE isn't delivering it to me. Like, I mean, this is a this is a clear indication here. And I think, and, and this show was a testament to that because I felt like online and a lot of, you know, contemporaries, peers, whatever you want to call them, colleagues, being very, very, uh, 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 um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, enthusiastic about the show. You know, being very complimentary. There's the word I was looking for. Very complimentary once the show was done. And day one was fantastic. And I'm like, what What were we watching? Let me break. Uh, look, I'm going to break it down. I won't go. I don't think I'll go too much into detail. But what the hell do I? You guys have watched Mr. Warren Hayshel before. You know that I'll say, oh, I'm not going to do this. But then I end up doing it anyway. The pre-show was Sheamus and uh, the rugby player versus uh, Ricochet and Cesaro. Uh, And I just want to point out here, 
The reason why I'm talking about it, because the match was fine, but it was it was uh, handicapped uh, almost straight off the bat because uh, Ricochet and Cesaro did a a flipping uh, uh, moonsault, standing moonsault thing, uh, an assisted standing moonsault is what I think I should call it. And, and Ricochet, his knee landed right on Ridge Holland's nose and broke his nose, like the, started gushing and he was out of the ring. He didn't return for the entire match. Sheamus carried the entire match. Sheamus, folks, is is one of the MVPs of WWE. He really, truly, sincerely is. He, he he's fantastic in what he does. You know, we you know talk about Bobby Lashley, how fantastic he was. Sheamus was fantastic in 2020, in 2021, having especially in 2021, having fantastic matches. <clears throat> for his size and just awesome stuff and uh coming around coming in, and then he ends up in this match and he's carrying the entire load like it turns into a handicap match plus he pulls off the win <laughs> like i love i love that they stick to the finish even though like there's a fuck up no one calls the audible and is like uh, uh, okay, well, Ricochet and uh, Cesaro have to win now like no one's like no, no, no let's just make sure that Sheamus is an absolute terror and a badass, right? Let's just make sure. I, I personally, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Sheamus's performance. I mean, the match was fine, but Sheamus's performance was outstanding. Sheamus is outstanding. Don't anyone let you tell you otherwise. Okay. First match on the main card was uh, the uh, WWE SmackDown Tag Team title match. The Usos successfully retained their titles against the New Day combination of King Xavier Woods and The Hand, Kofi Kingston. Look, this is... I saw people go, wow, what a fantastic match, what a great match. And look, you go back and you listen to to the... the, My prediction show that I did with Matt Ritter of uh, Smackin' It Raw podcast. We were both like... There is no, there is no way this match is going to stink, but Jesus, you know, it, 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 we've seen it so many times and it's not like there's anything really new or spicy about it. It's just like, and I swear, like if we, if we really had a sincere breath between seeing the Usos and the New Day have tag team matches, I think people would get automatically excited about it like in a general sense but they've run this in combinations for the past two years like on top of each other of course the match was the match once the match hit second gear there's nothing you can say that the about this stinking it up you you felt like this match felt like it was supposed to be shorter but they added on some time because roman couldn't make it right so you really felt like it dragged because they were told, boys, you have to add on three minutes to the match. You have to four or five minutes, whatever it was. Maybe not five, three minutes. The match, well, the match lasted 17 minutes. So there was probably a substantial amount of time that was added there because look, but this is fine. I liked the match. This was probably my favorite match of the night. All right. Drew McIntyre defeated Madcap Moss. And this bullshit almost went 10 minutes, folks. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. There is no reason why this match should have been on a pay-per-view. There's no reason. There's no reason Riddick Moss should be in these positions. 
absolutely not. Fighting former WWE champions in singles matches on pay-per-views, absolutely not. The guy the, hit the bricks. And there's nothing more I can say about it. Of course, we all saw this coming a mile away. Like, we know what this was for. Setting up the, and I'm doing air quotes here for those who aren't watching, the bigger feud of Drew McIntyre versus Baron Corbin. Happy Corbin. Whatever the fuck you want to call him. Look again. They fire fucking Timothy Thatcher. But they're going to keep Riddick Moss. RK Bro successfully defended the WWE Raw Tag Team titles against uh, the Street Profits. This, I, this, I don't, I thought it was boring. I thought it was dull as hell. And I think that's, to me, to me, um, uh, uh, one of the worst things you can do in wrestling is is bore someone. Like there's no reason wrestling should be boring. You know, it could be it can be look, sloppy, exciting, sure, uh 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 uh, uh weird. Inco- like maybe something that'll b- break your brain will be like inconceivable, but this this was it was it, it was boring. And I think it just, to me, it shows that even if WWE is able to have two hot acts, like there's no denying, regardless of what you think of the angle per se, there's no denying that the RK bro thing is working and that people are getting over because of it. People love it, okay? Street Profits, I think they're they're, they're a high energy enjoyable act i think people really like montez ford's antics i think they're really really they're really really into that um personally i'm a big angelo dawkins guy i think angelo dawkins has improved tremendously since being in nxt he has become the anchor of that team trust me on this he has been fantastic and yet you can put all these elements together and still pull up a stinker. And you know what the problem is here? Then it becomes a question of what WWE lets them do, how the matches are produced. It's just as simple as that afterwards. Because there's there's no one, there's no one who stinks in that match. Like there's no, there are no bad wrestlers. This should not have been a boring match. You know what I mean? It's, but it was, it was, it was dull. Speaking of dull, Edge defeated The Miz <clears throat> in, what did Dave Meltzer call it? The uh, water torture? <laughs> Is that what he called it? That, that, that was an insufferably long, pointlessly long match. And I don't know what people were expecting here. I really don't. I'll tell you one thing. I wasn't expecting a 20-minute match out of these guys. Because that's what we got. We got a 20-minute match. And I have nothing really to say about it. I did just... Outside of me, at my... Sitting in front of my television going, 
Let's bring it home, fellas! Every two minutes. After we pass the 10 minute mark. Let's bring it home, fellas! God damn it. But that's the thing. I just don't know what people were expecting. But I, I think this is a bit of a generalized problem. I think it was a generalized problem on the show because the minute that they pulled Roman from the card, and I am not saying this as a knock, Roman Reigns had COVID. Yes, he Thank God they kept him off the card. Thank God they kept him at home. Hope I, I, I read Roman is doing well and that he'll be back Ooh, on yeah. SmackDown tomorrow. Mwah, praise the heavens. I'm glad he's okay. Like that. That's ultimately all that matters. And if they pull him off the show, that's fine. But what I was surprised with is that they didn't replace it with anything. And I'm pretty sure then they said, well, we're going to add time instead on all the matches that we had. And I think there's a lot of matches that didn't need the time that was that was allocated to them. And they probably did add time. And I'm surprised that they, they didn't add like a, a an extra match, a little 10-minute match that would have shortened, kept everything in its regular you know, time allotments instead of a lot of things feeling like they're going too long, like the opening match, like Edge versus Miz, like uh, uh, Becky and uh, and Liv. Like, I'm convinced. I'm I'm 100%, not 100%, but I'm pretty convinced that that's what was going on. Uh, I think it's a problem that was through... <laughs> and then I had a you know a bit of a chat with someone saying you know they could have replaced the match. It's not as if they don't have anyone sitting in catering doing nothing. And that person was like, "Are you sure they don't have anyone in catering anymore?" <laughs> Touche. Um, yeah, I mean, come on, you know, come on. Couple of hellos here, by the way. Swiss Roll Chris, nice to see you. Welcome to the chat. Nice to see you. Jason PS3 as well. Good to see you, sir. And uh, AK Germany as well. Good to see you. We have our boy Anakin here who left us a couple of super chats. Um, uh, thank you very much. Oh, there we go. Uh, Anakin says, because uh, there's one that I'll keep for just a little bit, uh, Anakin, but I'll read the, the, the one here. Uh, Meltzer waterboarding tweet was in reference to Edge and Orton WrestleMania last year. Ah, yes, 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 you're right. Evan in the chat brought it up uh, in relation because it was uh, just as bad. Ah, okay, okay. Well, I don't think it was as bad. Because <laughs> the Edge and Orton at WrestleMania was... Uh, that was a rough one. Anyway. See, but... but and, and, and I don't think this is a criticism that applies necessarily just to WWE. I talk about it with New Japan all the time. Longer doesn't necessarily mean better, right? It's not because you're putting on a long match that it's instantly a better match. You know, I'm, uh, you know right now, a couple of my favorite matches of the year are, uh, of 2021 are, um, are uh, uh, time limit draws. But that doesn't mean necessarily that you can do a, uh, a fun time limit draw. I think that's actually extra pressure to make a time limit draw feel fantastic. We'll talk about that. Keep going down the day one card. The Raw Women's uh, title uh, was also on the line. Beckworth L- Lynchington <laughs> uh, defeated Liv Morgan. <clears throat> Folks, we have to have a, an honest talk about Liv Morgan. Okay? We, we, we have to have an honest talk about Liv Morgan. Um, 
let's uh, let's let's chat amongst ourselves here. Have a, gra- gra- grab yourself a drink. You comfy? Now, <clears throat> I I've said multiple times on this on this very program that I think Liv Morgan has all the intangibles to be a great babyface for that company, and they don't use her well. They really don't. You know, she, you know, it's not by tossing her into three-minute matches, three to five-minute matches, week in, week out, or not even week in, week out, every two weeks, every three weeks, every month, that someone improves in the ring. And any wrestler worth their salt will tell you exactly that, because I've been told that, and I believe it. So I don't think that's a way to improve. I don't think live... I think Liv has was put in this position of suddenly being a main event, a, a, a main event challenger or a title contender. Let's put it that way because it wasn't the main event. You know what I mean. I think it was a a very ungrateful place to put her in because I think she does have intangibles. I think she is very very kind. Jay Shell Nicole became a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes show. Thank you so much, Jay Shell. I appreciate it. Welcome to the membership program. Um the she she's uh she, she has uh she, she has these intangibles. She has that very awesome connection, but the problem that she has, which is not even her problem, is that WWE doesn't have an undercard in which she can thrive and develop because in as far as the women's division goes, it is always a question, who is the next person to challenge? Oh, it's their turn. It's this person's turn. No one ever gets built. Never, No one ever gets heated. When Liv came in to challenge Becky, she had been on a losing streak, for fuck's sake. She got eliminated uh, like second or third in her um in her survivor series team she lost to bianca at the um the military show the 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 tribute to the troops show like she comes in as a loser and suddenly we're supposed to consider her a potential winner and i understand and i understand that people uh, uh, want her to succeed and want her to be a, a a baby face because she has that intangible. She really has that 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 thing that can get an audience to back her up. But you have to build her, and this is the ungrateful situation she was put in. You combine that with the fact combine the fact that she's not properly heated and not given time to grow. And improve in wrestling. And this is what you got. It wasn't a good match. I'm sorry to say. It breaks my heart every single time. But it was not a good match. Again. The fact that they decided to run it three times. Just blows my mind. I don't understand why they did that. After the first time. They just said look. We got to put Liv on ice for a bit. We got to. The Liv Becky thing on ice for a bit. We got to get Liv on TV. We have to give her some feuds. Have her fight with. uh, Queen uh, Queen Zelina, have her do shit. Let her grow as a wrestler and grow in the hearts and minds of wrestling fans. It's just that simple. Like, it's not complicated. 
booking wrestling is not rocket science. I'm not saying it's easy, but you don't need a master's degree in aerophysics to get it done either. It's so simple sometimes. And I'm look and 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 Jay Shell in 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 the in the um in, in the uh in the chat she said it she said the that 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 springboard uh that springboard sunset bomb that she did was fantastic but i mean it's it's one thing right it's live doesn't have basics she doesn't she doesn't throw strikes she doesn't throw punches she doesn't kick I, like i never see her fundamentals I see her pulling moves. That's what she does out the gate. She she does moves, moves, moves. And that's fantastic, but it's also like no, Jesus Christ, she needs she needs her fundamentals to be able to build a wrestling in-ring story. It's it can't always be moves all the time. And that's why I think it's a really it's in it's an ungrateful situation she was put in. And I still believe in Liv Morgan. I still think she has she has stuff. She has she has. Uh, uh, <laughs> this is going to sound corny, but a lot of love to give wrestling. She really does. But she needs an environment in which she's able to thrive in. Liv needs a mid card. She needs a proper, strong, well built, well thought out mid card. But look at the words I'm saying: well built, well thought out. And this is WWE we're talking about. So of course it's not going to happen. But it's a shame because she's thrust into this position. It's like, do your magic. It's a, it's it's a terrible situation to put her in. And I, I and I'm not for it. And I think she could grow in different ways if there was a proper mid. I don't know if she's a if she's a main eventer. I really don't. But she could be a hell of a mid carder. I'll tell you that much. And there's no shame in that. And I'm not saying that as, as if to say she's worthless. Au contraire, it's just that WWE, since WWE doesn't have a mid card, then you're either a main eventer or you're nothing. Main eventer catering. And that's not Liv's fault. Want to say hello to Kristen Ashley, the first lady of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. Yeah. Who has been a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel for 21 months. Who wrote out the hashtag, hire female writers. Directly in response to Jay Shell. So that's fantastic. Thank you very much. And thank you for being here, Kristen. I hope your spaces went well. Conrad from Everything Pro Wrestling is here as well. Nice to see you. And Mr. Fretz is here. Nice to see you as well. And finally, we had the main event, which was the fatal five-way match. Brock Lesnar was added to the four-way and then because uh, because Roman uh, had, the, had the big Rona and that's absolutely okay. Brock Lesnar defeated Big E, Bobby Lashley, Kevin Owens, and Seth Rollins to become WWE Champion. I am not going to I'm not going to say much about this but here's the thing. Brock is Brock doesn't need a title to be a star or a draw or something of interest in WWE. Have him come in and have some high profile secondary feuds but right at the top with some top people or elevate people. Like 
I can't help but I can't help but make a slight comparison to bringing Brock in and feeling you have to put a title on him immediately or bring Brock in and have him play a CM Punk kind of role where he feuds with upper card guys has a couple of matches with some under guys and just like has a little fun on the roster instead of skyrocketing up but again see without a proper strong uh, convincing mid card it's either you're at the top or nothing so I get I get why they did it don't get me wrong I understand my point is that he doesn't need a, Brock Lesnar at this stage in his career doesn't need a WWE championship to feel like a big deal. The other point that I want to bring up here is that they, this proves that WWE never really had faith in Big E from the start. From the moment that they were like, yeah, you're going to win the WWE championship by doing the cash-in gimmick to his reign in and about itself there's nothing special about nothing made you feel like wwe was getting behind this guy you felt they were getting behind bobby lashley you felt they were getting behind drew mcintyre you never felt that with with biggie and i saw the arguments on online where it's like yeah, some people pulling out his cage match statistics and look look at all the matches he lost. And then over, uh, look at all the matches he won. Well, they're practically 50-50. You don't 50-50 your champion. You don't have him lose in a triple threat the week after he wins the title. Not if you have faith in him, you don't. Not if you see him as a top guy. Not if you see him as a guy who can carry the weight and be, and it's not, it bought and it, again another thing that boggles my mind because Biggie has everything WWE wants. He's huge, athletic, super charismatic. Presents himself as like a star in 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 in, in media appearances. He's affable. He's funny. He like he's got all the traits. I don't get it, and my problem with this match. My problem with this match is that it went uh, eight minutes, just uh, over eight minutes. And uh, and th that was my problem. We get 20 minutes of Miz and, and Edge, which was basically nothing, a nothing match. And we get eight minutes here. And this match was cooking. And I felt like it was starting to get... I was starting to get revved up. You have Kevin Owens flying through the air, you know, doing insane shit. I'm like, okay, this is, let's go, let's go. And then, boom, I get neutered. Literally, not literally, figuratively. <laughs> no one literally neutered me when they decided to end the match so quickly. It was kind of bullshit. And that's why I can't, because... Everyone was like, oh, but such great furious action. Yeah, but we were just revving up. It was just starting to get really good. Get, you could have added on easily another five minutes of crazy stuff. You had five guys in this match. It's not as if anyone had to do... It's not as if two guys had to do a crazy cardio workout here. You had space. You had five guys in this match. So weird to me. 
that's what I mean. Like, why did, why did we feel like, uh, why, why do, that's the disconnect I'm talking about. And then people raving about the main event. I'm like, it was just, it was just getting started. Just got interrupted. I don't know. Anakin left us a super chat in this regard, by the way. Thank you again, Anakin. I appreciate it. It says the main event went went eight minute twenty-five seconds when it was stated for 30 with entrances. Fatal four way at SummerSlam went 20 minutes 52, way too short for an only enjoyable for an enjoyable match. I agree. I like we are absolutely on the same wavelength. You and I. Uh absolutely too too short which is weird when they're tacking on time on all the other matches right when they're tacking on time well, they're clearly tacking on time on all the other matches but this one here i did i thought it was a mediocre show i think it's entirely forgettable i don't think it's wwe putting its best foot forward i'm I can appreciate that the fact that Roman was gone sort of uh, through a wrench in plans, but there, if time was the issue for adding time on all the other matches on the uh, on the card, you should have just added another match. You have tons of people. You have tons of people. You could have thrown anything together at this point. Put Pat McAfee in the ring. <laughs> Excuse me. Here's something. <clears throat> Here's something I forgot to mention uh, when I was talking about um, Edge and Miz. Now, uh, uh, Beth Phoenix got ran in, got involved, right? And we were sort of all expecting this to happen. You know, when when Marie started getting involved, it was like, oh, Beth is going to come in and then they're going to do the mix match challenge. You know what they're doing? You know what they're doing? Think about it for a second. Miz and Edge and the wives. They're rerunning Miz and Daniel Bryan. Literally, the Miz... Well, again, not literally. Figure, figure of speech. Here, listen, check this out. Miz is feuding with a wrestler who was injured, was told that he could never wrestle again, makes his comeback, does a little one-on-one thing. The next thing you know, the guys and their wives are, are all fighting and it all ends in a mixed match challenge. It's exactly the same thing. They're rerunning exa- They're rerunning Miz and Daniel Bryan to like to the T. It's wild. WWE was a bit of a land of uh, disappointment this week. More firings. William Regal was released from his role in the company. A bunch of people got released. William Regal, and th- this is the one that rightfully baffles everyone's mind. Uh, from top to bottom, there is no real conceivable reason for this to occur, for this to happen. Um, William Regal, uh, 
had a role in the company. Of course, you know, a TV role of being general manager of NXT, right? But he was, you know, he had a huge backstage role, talent scout for the company. This is a guy who has a wealth of knowledge of the wrestling business. It's a guy who absolutely dedicated his life to the business from the moment he started to still today. Who understands how how uh, how wrestling has evolved because he kept his his ear to the ground or his finger on the pulse, whatever you want to call it. He's followed the talent. He's met the talent. He's made recommendations. People listen to the guy. He's given people jobs in WWE. People have got their jobs in WWE off of the recommendation of William Regal. The face of WWE, he, the face of WWE today would not be what it is if it hadn't been for William Regal's involvement in the in talent development and talent scouting. For sure. It goes beyond, of course, NXT, but then all these people move up to, to main roster. There's people who wouldn't be here, wouldn't be in NXT, wouldn't have been in, who wouldn't be in on the main roster today if it wasn't for him. And this is a guy who, why do you leave him go out into the world? A guy who has a, just this in, in impressive, unequaled knowledge of wrestling. Why would you leave him go? It it personally baffles my mind. I don't understand. I'm going to tell you one thing. These types of situations, they bring out the bad faith actors. In 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 online pundits writers or just people on twitter whatever but anyone i'm telling you right now anyone who will sit here with a stone face and tell you doesn't matter william regal was never a good wrestler to begin with anyone who who tells you that that is absolutely a revelation that that person has no idea what they're talking about when it comes to pro wrestling that they just have no idea i have no idea of the history the contributions of someone and I have no idea what a what a what a professional wrestler is. So that's an, that's entirely that, that is my advice. That is my uh, 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 alarm that I set off to you. That should ring bells to you if you get into that position where you're like, oh no, I heard about the nope. That's how you figure it out, and you can tell. I always say this: you can tell. The measure of some of how much someone is liked slash beloved in wrestling by the measure of responses of support that they get when something bad happens, when they get fired, when they pass away. Look at the outpour of love from wrestlers of all generations reaching out, stating just how great William Regal is, how fantastic he was, how how we'd go above and beyond, so on and so forth. Just just look out there. If he was an asshole and a son of a bitch, if he was useless and pointless, no one, no one would be saying a thing. It's ridiculous, man. Vape Ross Vape, good to see you. Welcome to the chat. 
Uh, who else did the, uh, the uh, Road Dog Brian James was also released today from his uh, from his role in it. Well, was it today or yesterday? Yesterday, I think. Uh, a Steel, Dave Kapoor, Scott Armstrong, um, Ryan Katz, and here's one that breaks your heart: Allison Danger, Kathy Carino, longtime women's wrestler. Uh, she moved into producing and creative. She got her job to dub into. She got her job with WWE three months ago. Three months ago, she she basically. She hasn't even started, hadn't even started making, you know, her, her, uh, breaking in her office chair, right? Three months later, after she uproots her life, her family, she has a, a, a kid, uproots her family from Vegas to move to Orlando. On the day that her kid started school, yesterday, she gets the call, she says, it is, ah, budget cuts. What a bullshit way to operate. And I, listen, I've worked in corporate contexts. I, uh, okay, I've worked in corporate contexts, multiple. I've worked in companies that don't give a shit about about their people. And I've worked and still work in company, in a company that, that does care about its people and its talent. That recognizes that the people that work for them are resources, they're talent, and they have lives, right? WWE, I I, I can't even buy the excuse when you when you hear these types of, of, of situations. Can't even buy the excuse of, oh, this is just corporate America. No, it's not. No, it's not, because there is a way to do these things properly. There is a way to to, to treat your people as the premier resource that they are. You don't have a company without people. You don't grow without people, and especially with talented people. You get someone to move in, and three months later, oh no, we're done, hit the bricks. That's bullshit. And there's no other way to call it. It's callous, and it's bullshit. And here's another guy, Hideki Suzuki, Hachiman. He was released as well. You want to talk about uprooting? He got his job in April. He moved from Japan to take the job. We're not even a full year in. Ah, hit the bricks, pal. Timothy Thatcher, Danny Birch. Look, f- both fantastic wrestlers, right? I, I love them both. Timothy Thatcher and Danny Birch, though, I, you saw the writing on the wall when they switched to NXT 2.0 and all the whatever they're doing right now. You saw it. There was no room for Thatcher or Birch on this next, uh, on this new incarnation of NXT. They just didn't belong there. Oni's gone, right? And we were like, of course they're going to release Oni. Well, of course they were going to release Timothy Thatcher and Danny Birch, even though it breaks my heart. It's not like, I'm like, oh yeah, let's get rid of these sons of bitches. It's, it's nothing like that. 
but it sucks, man. And today, we find out that, first of all, Gabe Sapolsky has been terminated from WWE as well. He's he's gone too. Uh, uh, just in case you're not quite sure what I'm talking about, Dave Sapolsky, co-founder of Ring of Honor, founder of Dragon Gate USA, co-founder of Evolve. And I think he was the only owner of Evolve, uh, I believe, when it was sold to WWE. He was a scout there uh, for uh, for WWE, consultant, talent scout. Um, <laughs> I don't know what this guy's going to do. I don't know what... I have no clue what Gabe is going to do moving forward. Gabe, Gabe is... Um, Gabe has burnt many, many bridges and has terminated many friendships over his uh, few decades in the world of pro wrestling. Outside, putting together his own promotion again, which he's done, and I wouldn't be surprised if he did. If he, I wouldn't be surprised if he went around and did it because he's done it three times. I don't know. I don't know who. Um, I don't know what he's who. Who would want to work with him? Very, very bad reputation. Very terrible reputation among talent as well. Um, I'm sure you've heard the stories of Ethan Page and uh, Darby Allen, who were um, who had some very very ripe things to say about Old Gabe. Uh, I mean, keep an eye on him, but I don't I don't see where he ends up. I can't see where he's going to end up. This this guy has a bit of a, a, a bit of an aura about him, and not the good kind. Is he still tight with Heyman? I don't know. I don't know. He has, you know, he learned a lot from Paul. Let's put it that way. So, he'll probably, he'll probably, we'll probably be on some kind of venture at some point, but I, like, you know, there's no one going, uh, Sapolsky to AEW. No. Sapolsky would be poison for that locker room. And we learned that Samoa Joe was released again. Two time, two time. That's a crying shame. Guy comes back, ring ready, has this match for NXT, and then it's like, no, you know what? We're done with the black and gold, and... And it's like oh, no, we're the we we're uh, we're getting rid of the belt. You're, you're dropping the title. You're dropping the title. I don't want to get tinfoil hat with y'all. I really don't. But you do have to wonder how truly injured he was. Now that you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Now, right? Is Joe really injured? Maybe they just pulled that card because. Joe does have a history of injuries and maybe it's like, okay, well, this is very believable. I don't know. I don't know. Such a weird, weird situation. I don't understand WWE. I really don't. 
Like they're clearly, and you know, this goes above. This goes. I think it goes above just getting rid of Triple H's guys, right? I think. I I I think. I think. And it goes, it goes a little beyond that because clearly what they're doing, they're getting rid of the wrestling people, Ooh, right? Yeah. And I think what we're seeing more than ever, because it's not as if it's anything new. I'm not gonna, lo- I'm not gonna lay a bomb, a, a truth bomb on you here, but I think we are seeing WWE taking steps to move into a more entertainment-based environment as opposed to a wrestling one. They're getting rid of the wrestling people. They're getting rid of everyone who's who has the knowledge and who can train and can produce wrestling matches. They are an entertainment company. Their their main competition is Marvel and Disney. I wouldn't be surprised if soon WWE we start hearing them talk about uh, we start hearing them talk about uh, 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 um, high flying uh, high flying stage combat as opposed to wrestling or sports entertainment you know i wouldn't be surprised because the hires they've been doing the people that they have been adding to the pc are not wrestlers they're athletes they're gymnasts they're football players they're bodybuilders they're uh uh um uh what's the uh um uh, sports models what no that's not the right word no 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 um you know, uh, uh, athletes, ah, shit, I forget the term. I don't want to say anything. But look, I'm, this is what I'm, th- this is what I think they're leaning towards more and more people who are performers before they are wrestlers. That's what they want. And it's probably going to be a long-term plan. But that's what we're that's what we're moving to. Fitness models. Thank you, AKA Germany. Exactly. Fitness models. Thank you. I don't know why my. But clearly, this is where we're going. I, I and maybe this is why this disconnect with NXT 2.0 and myself is happening, and and the disconnect is happening with uh, with WWE because it, it's it's resembling less and less a wrestling show. You know what I mean? I wish it was mathletes that they were going for. That would add a little something. And you know, talking about things that they've released, and I can't, look, I can't even get mad about, I, I don't have the energy to get mad about WWE firing people anymore. It's just, it's disappointing. It sucks for everyone involved. It especially sucks for Kathy Carino, I, I find, and for Hachiman, I think it's terrible. But like, I've had the WWE is a, I, I've had I've had these rants. I don't have the energy for them anymore. We can only point them out and be disappointed and sad and frustrated. But at this point, there's nothing I can say that I haven't already said in regards to how callous a company it is, how a terrible place to work it is. There's no, there's no, there's nothing else I can add. Anakin left us a super chat. Thank you, Anakin. It says, Sean Ross, Sap confirmed today that Samoa Joe was legit hurt. Okay, good. Like I said, I didn't want to tinfoil it, but you, you know. Everything does seem a little sus, as the kids say. Sus among us is that that's where it all started. Among us putting sus into the vernacular. 
But you know that we're talking about all these firings and things that WWE is taking away. Uh, Pour one out for the Cruiserweight title, folks. And the Cruiserweight classic. Because ultimately, I think that's what we need to be mourning here. I think think this is... um, The title unification match, by the way, very good match between Roderick Strong and Carmelo Hayes on NXT 2.0 this week. Strong stuff. Very, very, very good. Best match of the night. But what a shame. We're done with the we're we're done with the with the cruiserweight belt. It's been assimilated into the North American title. And the uh the cruiserweight uh me, it's mostly the cruiserweight title, uh, the cruiserweight classic that ultimately I feel is the the thing that I'm going to mourn here. Because I feel like it was the promise of something great from WWE. I was chatting with it with, about it with a few people. And I think there's a consensus. And I hadn't really thought about it until some people started pointing it out to me. This is probably the best tournament WWE has ever put on. Probably one of the best... Um, uh, probably some of the... It's probably one of the best productions they've ever put together. As far as creating a sports-based, entertaining, wrestling-focused show tournament. It was just fantastic from top to bottom and in the entire presentation as well. And we got people, look, I mean, there's a lot of people who ended up with jobs and still have jobs. (laughs) Fantastic wrestlers, you know, uh, that made their mark in WWE. TJP, of course, being the first Cruiserweight champion. Grand Metallique uh, 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 and Lindsay Dorado, both in here as well. Cedric Alexander, Drew McIntyre. We all know the fantastic story of Mustafa Ali, who came in as uh, as a uh, uh, as an alternate, and uh, and was given a chance upon injury. He wasn't supposed to compete. He was in there as an alternate, but ended up being in the tournament. So that's really where everything kicked off. You got Johnny Gargano in the in this tournament as well. Uh, Rich Swan, uh, the returned to prominence of our boy Spanky, Brian Kendrick as well. And then the outside forces, Zack Sabre Jr., Kota Ibushi, you know, in this matchup, bringing Akira Tozawa from DDT. Like, just uh, Dragon Gate. Excuse me. All sorts of great stuff, right? Just just fantastic stuff. And, and, and some memorable matches with some incredible spots. And just... Tournament, wrestling-based, sports-based, great commentary. Just a good shit from top to bottom. Hell, we were even having, I don't know if you remember this, there were uh, uh, international qualifying matches for the tournament. Do you remember this? And out of Progress, out of Rev Pro, um, uh, uh, they had, uh, I think Noam Dar was the guy who won from Rev Pro. They had Zack Sabre Jr. who was wrestling for progress at the time. He won over there. Like, it felt like a big deal because WWE was treating it like a big deal and everyone was getting excited about it. Everyone was get, was legitimately excited and it was really good stuff. Mauro Ranallo and Daniel Bryan were on commentary. And it really was the promise of something great. It really was. 
Oh, they ended up with their show. With the, the cruiserweights have their own show, two hundred five live, and the, the the belt is created, and 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 it's like this is the showcase. This is your work rate show, folks. This is if this is the show that if you want to see just guys go for it, the shut up and wrestle crowd head over here. But WWE had trouble getting into two hundred five live. Never gave it the the proper. Uh, the proper uh, 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 respect that it should have had. I think, you know, one of the gravest mistakes it ever did with 205 Live was to put it on uh, live or record it after a SmackDown where the crowd is spent. The crowd has seen everyone they wanted to see. They, they wanted to see Roman. They wanted to see Becky. They saw, you know, they saw all the stars. And then it's like, oh, stick around for another hour of wrestling with these guys that no one knows because they're not properly featured anywhere. One, 10 p.m. on the WWE Network on Friday nights. Come on, right? Pac is a two-time cruiserweight, WWE cruiserweight champion. What a shame. Anyway, poor one out. The era of cruiserweights in WWE is over. Let's talk about AEW now. We're going to go over the shows. Thank you all for still being here, for hanging out. If you like what you, what's going on right now, give the video a like. Share it out into the world. Subscribe. Look, if... if I always like to think that I, that I that I work for your subscriptions to get them, to maintain them. If if you if you want to uh, if you, if you're enjoying this and you feel like yeah this guy deserves a subscription then go ahead I appreciate it no see no we're not talking about Enzo or Austin Aries okay okay <laughs> we're not this is where I draw the line uh let's go back to rampage last friday i want to talk about the tag team street fight between tay j anna j and tai tay conchi versus uh, penelope ford and the bunny this was very 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 good what an entertaining well it was a lot of fun i don't i i you know i had to, like these fantastic but uh, this was very good penelope ford hitting a moonsault off the turnbuckle onto tay was laid out on the table on the floor table didn't break great stuff she cracks a bottle across Conchi's head, though. Glass bottle, whack! People are blading everywhere, like Bunny. Of course, that's the big visual, right? Bunny just her face pouring in blood. Great stuff here from the women. We get th thumbtacks in this match. Conti rejoins, get, gets into the gets into the sh the match at some point with a Gotch style pile driver on Penelope Ford off the apron through a table on the outside. Jesus fucking Christ! Jay eventually hits a, uh, Anna Jay hits a superplex onto a, onto the tax. And Anna Jay gets the win by locking, I think it was the bunny, locking the bunny up into the Queen Slayer while she had put barbed wire around her arm. Fantastic stuff. It's great shit. Penelope Ford, man, I'm going to tell you. Everyone was like, oh, the bunny was, uh, yeah, bunny, uh, she bled. And it is a striking visual, and everyone worked hard in this match. But Penelope Ford, MVP of this match, 
if you, you you watch the match and you see she is guiding everyone through it. You can tell she's the ring general. She's directing traffic. She's keeping everyone on top of things. She's moving stuff around. She's doing all sorts of little things to make sure the spots hit, to make sure everyone is looking great. She truly was the MVP of this match. Just a fantastic performance all around. And I saw the, uh, why do they have the women that bleed? And I'm like, who, fuck off, who cares? These are wrestlers, and the wrestlers are in a hardcore match. They're in a street fight. Fantastic. If they bring out the, if they bring out the tax and they bring out the, the barbed wire and no one bleeds, I call shenanigans. They don't go, go around saying women should not bleed. Oh, fuck off. We also had Darby Allen defeating Anthony Bowens in a, uh, just a fine little match. It was a lot of fun. Cody Rhodes defeating Adam Ethan Page as well, retaining his uh, TNT uh, title. And um, let, let's move on to Dynamite because I think, look, my God, we've been spoiled, boys and girls, with some fantastic wrestling. in the Already in the very young year of our Lord, <laughs> in the very very young year of our lord uh 2021 and look here's one thing here's a resolution that i gave for myself i'm back to taking notes in a notebook like going analog old school i was writing everything down typing it out furiously in a in a uh uh in a google doc I was like, no, and i pulled out the pen and and it feels natural feels good my my notes are illegible like you could never be able like you think Tony Khan can it has bad handwriting. You've never seen Warren Hayes. Uh the Noah show, the new year 2022. Keno versus Kiyomiya was absolute gold. What a fantastic match. Wrestle Kingdom had two particularly, I'd say three high quality matches. Maybe uh let's extend that to four. And now Free TV on a Wednesday night. Hangman Adam Page retains his AEW world title successfully against Brian Danielson in their second encounter, which was absolutely extraordinary. We are so spoiled with good wrestling. This match here, the story here was very simple. Adam Page did not want to go to time. Daniel Brian Danielson was like, yeah, let's bring this to time. Two guys who were ready to wrestle two very, very different matches. Because Page, off the bat, goes in hard. Danielson, he's being evasive. He's because he wants he's comfortable with going the distance. He's still doing his fucking jumping jack spot. And he's pointing his stuff to the refs, right? He's going, hey, did you notice my great technique here? That kind of shit. The judges. By the way, Mark Henry, Jerry Lynn, Paul White. I'm going to tell you, as an aside here, as a, I don't, it, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, it was just these guys. We know who these guys are. I want I want the point of the judges. This is, I don't care who you put in as a judge. I need to know what the judges are for. At this point, this is the second match, right, in AEW history where it's like, judges. I'm like, cool. What is this going to bring to the match? Turns out, nothing. 
two times in a row. So what AEW needs to do now is either create a match where a judge's decision will have the impact so that we can have like an anticipation for a next time where it's like, oh, this happened last time the judge's decision came into play. What's going to happen in this match that's scheduled with this stipulation? Because right now, if if the next time they announce, oh, judges, I'll be like, oh, okay, I don't care. Like it's a boring stip. There's nothing, it doesn't add anything to the match. You know, even when they when they had set it up a couple of weeks ago, I was like, okay, are they going to time again with this? Because why other would you put the judges in? No, there was no reason. There was there, there there was just no reason for it to happen. So I'm like, okay, well, next time. So it's either, yeah, so it's either next time have the judges influence the, 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 the outcome of the match or just don't do it. <laughs> you know, just don't do it anymore. Or here's a third option. Do a UWF style rules, you know, where holds score points and, you know, take down score points and that kind of shit. That could be fun. That would be very different for a North American audience and would justify the presence of judges. And that's what I thought they were going to do. Quite honestly. Back to the match, though. Page, Page tries to get after Danielson. Danielson is like, nah, screw you, man. But when Page connects, he's going for the power stuff, right? He does a dive. He does a power bomb on the floor. Then there's this moment where he does another dive. Danielson moves out of the way. Page runs into the guardrail, hurts his arm, and Danielson works the arm for the rest of the match, which is exactly what Daniel Bryan should be doing because he wants to uh, he wants to uh, uh, render uh, inefficient the uh, buckshot lariat, right? This is great stuff all along. Page hits his pescado. Danielson sends him into the stairs. Page Page blades. Danielson starts getting real vicious, working the arm. Uh, they do the the they do the over the top rope suplex tumble. You know where they both like ah we're we're in a suplex machine when they land on the floor. They land on their feet, and Danielson rams Page into the post. But then Page goes all Nigel McGuinness on Brian Danielson and. Rams him into the post and boy, oh boy, Danielson blades and he bleeds so fucking much. He bleeds, like, yeah, I'm sure y'all were stunned, right? Guys, gals, non-binary pals, I can't be wrong here. Even, even the ringside staff were like, oh, we should patch you up. And he was like, no, like, I don't know how much that was of a shoot or not. So we should, he's like, no, it was amazing. We get an avalanche rolling, rolling body slam from Page, a dead eye on the floor. He goes for the buckshot lariat, but Danielson just collapses. Because this match was brutal. Brutal. They just ran into each other. They hit each other with all everything they had. Fantastic stuff. Just fantastic stuff. There's a Gotch-style pile driver as well. Danielson, he locks in the label lock beautifully. Like he's got it in the whole thing with the mouth and everything is perfect, perfect and on point. And Danielson, like I said, that, the gosh style, he's trying every finisher he's used over the past month and a half to try and put 
page away and page he and he can't he just can't it's pages night who finally ends the match with the buckshot lariat fantastic brutal just wrestling like i like it no shit no shenanigans no fucking house of torture doing bullshit outside of the ring just beautiful stuff the shit that makes you believe you still know you still know they're looking out for each other right you still know that but it makes you believe already man what a fucking trip i anyone who keeps this on their match of the year list for 2022 i won't even be mad TBS title tournament finals happened as well. Jade Cargill is your first TBS champion. Congratulations to her. A fantastic moment. I just want to point out I was right. I was right. I was right. The whole way through this entire tournament, it it was booked by Mr. Warren Hayes. I batted a thousand. Didn't get a single solitary thing wrong and people were like and the thunder rosa war and you are such a dummy dumb dumbs i'm like <laughs> y'all aren't paying attention anyone who didn't pick jade at the top of the bracket has not been paying attention for hasn't been paying attention to the last eight to nine months of booking in AEW. hasn't been paying attention to how she was being booked during the tournament during and 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 on the side the weeks that she wasn't in the tournament what was AEW doing they were giving her squash matches i didn't know what to tell you this was this was jade's tournament to win and that's what happened but i got it all right yes and her daughter was so happy how could that you'd have to be like the perfect uh, the, the the perfect miserable human being to just sit there and <laughs> Cargill. Now I understand. Let's let's go through. I understand though that maybe some people are a little underwhelmed. I am. I'm like I'm happy for Jade for all the reasons that I keep mentioning week after week here. I'm happy for Jade, but I'm I'm not like I can't sit here in good faith and say what a match. This is a fun match, you guys. I, I can't. I can't do that. Uh, because the match wasn't that great. It really wasn't. Uh, um, I, I do feel people are going a little too hard on it. But it, uh, I can't go the opposite and, and, and completely flip and say this was fantastic. You know, I, I saw some people saying this is Jade's best match to date. And I, was, I still think. Her match, her first singles match with Red Velvet was much better than this. Jade uses the fact, if we were, Jade uses the fact that Ruby fell on the floor and hurt her her shoulder to work it over with hammer locks and knees. There's a, a clean as hell shoulder breaker that she pulls off. Like the psychology is there and you're like, okay, this makes sense. And she's working it properly. It looked convincing. Like I was like, this okay, this is good stuff. She even hit her bitchicle kick. I'm calling it that. I I don't care. Uh, if they ever start trademarking it, if they ever start using it, uh, you guys will know that I originated the bitchicle kick for Jade. Ruby hits a Saito suplex, hits the no future. Jade kicks out. 
However, uh, and that at that point, I think it, writing was on the wall. It's like, okay, she's kicking out of the finisher. We're, we're good here. There's the, there's the top rope jaded, or at least I th- that's what everyone thought that they were, uh, that they were doing. Um, you know, she tried to go up onto the top rope. She clearly called an audible to Ruby going like, nah, I can't, I can't do this. So they did it from the second rope instead. But again, I thought it was, I didn't think it looked great. I think it looked a little messy, a little rough, but that's, that's because they did something on the fly that didn't quite work out because the person who was attempting the move wasn't comfortable and everyone made sure that they were, that they were safe. So I can appreciate that. But objectively, you look at the movie and you're like, "What? What was that? Didn't it? It really didn't look great." But moving on, Jade still got the win, and there's nothing wrong for all the criticism that I have for for Jade, which I hope everyone understands that they are very, very that they come from a place of love because I do want Jade to succeed. Uh, there's nothing wrong with a company banking on star power to push someone. There's nothing wrong with that. If they see money in Jade Cargill and they want to make money with her, go right ahead. That's that's what you should do. You should push her. Does she have the work rate? No. No, she doesn't. Were her matches good during the tournament? Eh. Like I said, I still think her best match was her first singles match, the one against Red Velvet. I still think that's her go-to. I just want Jade, I want Jade to improve, right? She's tossed into a very, very difficult position right now in in an environment where fans nowadays expect high work rate from from their champions. I mean, this is a reality today, right? That this is what they expect. I don't think we've seen Jade Cargill's ceiling. I honestly do not. I think that the only way she will continue to improve is to be on TV and wrestle TV matches. She has to wrestle more than squash matches though because I think that has been part part of what has hurt her ultimately. She started wrestling longer matches and I think unfortunately it exposed more of her weaknesses uh, than, than anything else. Um, I think she will improve. I because she has too much talent. I, you can see just the way she was working Ruby's arm. I was like, she gets it. She she understands how this is supposed to work, how it's supposed to look. And she's making it. She she's making the connections. It's working. But it's she's not. She's being thrust. In a position of, uh, in a spotlight that um, that I feel is maybe a little unjust at this point. The expectations are unjust towards her because of the expectations you have when carrying a title, and I think that's that. This is a a a, a testament to uh, what modern day fans especially AEW fans are looking for they want people who can work that's what they want they don't want Goldbergs anymore they don't want Rybacks anymore you know they want people who can go 10, 12, 15 minutes and put out a compelling story I still think Jade, 
Jade's biggest, if I think the first, if Jade can overcome the hurdle of stringing things together so she can tell a good story in a match, I think that'll be half the battle won right there. I think we saw very, very telling and promising glimpses of that in her match last night. Again, deciding to work the shoulder. Now, you can sit down here and say, but it's such a basic storytelling technique, Warren. Yeah, but who cares? It. She's trying to tell a story and she's doing good. She's doing well. And that's all that matters, really. And I'm not, go- I'm not even going to address the rest of the bullshit because there's a lot of bullshit about her, which is unjust and stupid. And if you had been following, because look, okay, in a nutshell, people saying, oh, because of Tony Khan's tweet, uh, he's going to give it to, he had to give it to a black person to sort of deflect the tweet. If anyone had been watching this tournament, they wouldn't be saying that shit. She had been booked to win this tournament from the get-go. And it would every week they'd prove it. Like, this is every week they'd lean in harder and harder on Jade. Like she's winning. And anyone who wants to make this about Tony Khan giving it to a black person, you're outing yourself and you're wrong. And that wasn't the only title change or title new new title owner holders that we would get during that evening. Dino 210 defeated the Lucha Bros to become the new AEW World Tag Team Champions. Fun little PWG-esque spot with the arm drags at some point uh, early on in the match. Phoenix does his running rope walk kick, which is absolutely amazing. Jungle Boy hits an awesome diving destroyer on Phoenix. What great stuff. Penta lays out fools with made in Japans everywhere. Shout out to Shingo. Uh, The Lucha Bros hit the combination fear factor top rope stomp. But Jungle Boy kicks out of it. And that's a thing. Alex Abrahantes sets up a table on the outside. And Ray Phoenix is like, what are you doing? Don't do that. He goes, no, 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 no. And I'm and in retrospect, you're like, oh boy, was this ever some foreshadowing, right? Because Luchasaurus, Luchasaurus choke slams Ray Phoenix off the apron through the table. But Ray Phoenix, unfortunately, his arm, his left arm sort of twists in a very unfortunate way. Uh, in one of the most gruesome uh, 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 limb uh, twists that you'll ever see on television, something that you just you just don't want to see ever again in your entire life. That was awful, awful, awful. Um, he he, uh, his, he he was injured out for the rest of the match. So the, the you know the ending felt a little rushed. It was like, okay, what's going on? But Phoenix was completely out. His arm was. Uh, wasn't good. Uh, apparently, it's just a bad dislocation, though. That's what Ray Phoenix told 
uh, fans on his Twitter today, which is good news because a dislocation is much easier to rehabilitate than than a, a, a break, which was a lot of what a lot of people were, were were worried about. But anyway, in the meantime, Jungle Boy rolls out of a made in Japan from Penta for the win. And uh, I'm. I, it's about fucking time. <laughs> you know, because here's the thing is that Jurassic Express has always been one of the most overacts in the company. Ever since ever since it started, ever since the, the company started, it's been one of the consistently most overacts in all of AEW. It's about time they get some gold. It's about time they put some gold on Jungle Boy, who has been a top-tier company guy, doing everything required of him, uh, getting the big matches, but always coming up a little short. This is good, and if anything, this should mark. This should be marked as a catalyst for Jungle Boy to sort of be like getting some confidence and be like, "All right, put me in some singles matches on top of that," and then starts winning big, big singles matches on top of that as well. I think it'd be great. I think if this was the moment where sort of Jungle Boy starts to transition, as a lot of us seem to think that the day he drops the jungle boy moniker and becomes like jungle jack perry that'll probably be like the moment where he really gets his push maybe this is what we use to sort of transition into that i'm not saying he's going to do it next week AEW is a fan of long-term storytelling and i super appreciate that so it could be could take a while it could take a while but let's let, let's at least start let's at least get to it right I'm very good times and a and a good strong finish. Congratulations to Dino Two One Zero Jurassic Express. I'm glad. I'm glad the chat popped. I love calling him Dino Two One Zero. It's fantastic. Marco Dominguez, good to see you. Welcome to the chat. Other things that happened on the card: we had Sean Dean defeating MJF, and that's something. That's something that will be inscribed into. The marble tablets of professional wrestling history forever. Sean Dean defeated MJF in 47 seconds. All right? <laughs> if you didn't see the thing, uh, Sean Dean was supposed to fight MJF. Uh, CM, the bell rings. CM Punk runs in. It has... So since CM Punk arrives, uh, MJF being the chicken shit that he is, he hits the bricks. Uh, and Punk attacks... Sean Dean hits the GTS to force the DQ. And he's like, oh, so much for your world title aspirations starting the year with a loss kind of thing. And it's like, that means three people in AEW hold a win over MJF. John Moxley, Chris Jericho, Captain Sean Dean. How about that? Um... So MJF starts off the year with the losing record, and then well, and then they do the microphone things at each other again. However, uh, however, uh, this was not the first DQ. Uh, Pac, I know Pac did one on Kenny Omega uh, two years ago, but it's not the DQs. Like it's a it, it's a it's a big moment because it is DQs are so rare in AEW. I think this this is like the second or third. I've seen people talk about 3, but I can't quite remember what the third one is. But it seems to me that Pack Pack forced a DQ on Kenny Omega. It, it's not the first. I'm I'm convinced it's not. Um anyway, back to MJF and uh and uh CM Punk 
going uh, going uh, at each other on the mics. The <laughs> the one line you guys know how I feel at this point about them just training bars with each other is like just do. There's one line that I really liked when uh, when MJF talks about CM Punk comparing himself to Roddy Piper, comparing uh, doing comparisons to Roddy Piper, and he says, and MJF says, at least Roddy Piper had enough talent to main event the WrestleMania, which everyone went, ooh. And then uh, and then MJF said, and if I don't get enough respect around here, I might just go main event to WrestleMania, which made me pop. I was like, oh shit, okay, this is, I like that. But CM Punk pushed it over where he said, and I quote, if you think the grass is so greener on the other side, be my guest, go ahead, leave main event for, main event night four of a buy one, get one free extravaganza. And I'm like, if anything, this entire talkity talk feud, if it led to this line here, I'm good. I'm okay. I think what I think it's peaked at this point. I don't think it'll get any better than this. Great stuff. Also on the card, we had Malachi Black defeating Brian Pillman Jr., which is you know a thing, and uh, Wardlow of course continues his reign of domination. Defeating Antonio Zambrano. Uh, Sean Spears got involved and Wardlow wasn't happy. So that's kind of the story here. And we also had the Jericho 2.0 confrontation. I'm sorry, guys. And I, you know, it, Jericho was on my was on my uh, naughty list show a couple of weeks ago, or was it last week? Christ, time go, time flies. Um. It, 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 he's corny, you know, like it, it's not working and he's trying really hard to get the, he's forcing the square head pinhead stuff a little too much. Terrence and Philip, I'm like, oh, come on, man. Like, we're, this isn't, this isn't 1997 where people went to, to WWE shows with their Cartman, their Eric Cartman dolls anymore. It's, uh, I don't know. It, it, Chris Jericho is not off to a rousing stuff. But you know what? This whole feud, as much as I love Daniel Garcia, 2.0, Eddie Kingston, all of this happening right now, it's not working. It's messy. It's all over the place. I don't feel someone needs to take some direction here because I feel everyone wants a little bit of everything and and Jericho's trying to get shit over and he's... Oh, yeah! <sighs> Anakin JMT left us a super chat. Thank you, Anakin. Again, appreciate it. He says, don't forget after the buy one, get one free extravaganza line, Punk said, and then get released faster than you last in the sack. Well, I'm not, I don't know how, see, that's the thing. like, I don't know how he's privy to that information about MJF. That kind of, that kind of leaves me, my, my, my journalistic instincts, as low as they are, (laughs) get really perk up and it's like, how does he know? Oh, <laughs> uh, and really quickly, just before we wrap things up, um, Wrestle Kingdom happened this week, nights one and two. Uh, I did say I was going to talk about it briefly. Look, if you want my full, complete thoughts on the show, along with Lord Magsy, who's there to entertain y'all, uh, 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 go check out nights one and two 
our uh, our live our live post shows that we recorded right here on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. But on general thoughts, very uneven show. Night one was a bit of a slog to get through. I don't think it was that great. Poor undercard. Uh, top two matches, high quality, high caliber, wonderful matches. Great stuff. Hiromu Takahashi versus El Desperado and uh, Shingo Takagi versus Kazuchika Okada, both for titles. Uh, fantastic stuff, like uh, from top to bottom uh, for, for, for those two matches. Great, great, great performances by all four of those guys. But otherwise, just really a slog. I don't think night one was very good. Night two, very good watch. It's as if it was booked with by an entirely different person. From the the mid card, from the lower card, opening up with titles that I don't give a shit about. The IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles. I don't give a shit about the junior tag titles in New Japan. The match was fun. It was super fun. Stardom had their had their showcase match, which was brilliant. Even the King of Pro Wrestling match was a nice diversion. You get and then and then we got that awesome no disqualification match between Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kenta, where Kenta's face exploded when he fell from the top of a 15-foot ladder. And I am not shitting you. I'm not making this up. I'm not going for grandeur here. It was a 15 fucking foot ladder that he fell off of onto a, 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 an aluminum trash can that was in the ring and his face exploded. There's blood the fuck everywhere. Finish the match. Roshi Tanahashi doing dives off of that fucking ladder. Like, wild shit. Good match. Good DQ. Good progression. Fantastic stuff. And then the main event, Kazuchika Okada, who, is, who won the... IWGP World Heavyweight title off of Shingo Takagi the night before um, uh, defeated uh, uh, Will Ospreay uh, in, on night two and it was just brilliant stuff. Uh, absolutely brilliant stuff. Best match I've seen this year to date. I think it's one of the best matches I may have seen, period. Uh, gave me all the feels. Just extraordinary stuff. And, and a match that you didn't realize like at some point there's so much go you should check out my review because at some point i'm going through the move sets and i'm talking to mags about it i'm like look at all the shit we just talked about and we're not even 15 minutes into the match yet just amazing stuff um so if you did want to and, and then i'm gonna go on top of that uh, that match Okada, Will Ospreay, Wrestle Kingdom 16 Night 2. It is a much it is a must-watch. If you're a wrestling fan, take it from me. This is one that you make time out of your day. You find a way to get your hands on it. And you and you 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 sit down and you enjoy it. 32 minutes, 35 minutes, something like that. Well spent. Trust me. And you're not gonna be bored. What an amazing fucking match it was. Um and you know another thing that 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 Wrestle Kingdom did really good I found this year was set up their juniors division which has been lacking a little bit cuz usually they like to bring in people from the outside and so on and so forth and it's not but they did really really well uh establishing Yo as a uh formerly from Rapongi 3K of course Yo as a uh, as a serious contender 
El Desperado defeating Hiromu Takahashi, who was, for all intents and purposes, the star of the junior division. Desperado defeating uh, Hiromu on night one is a big fucking deal. And that helps establish El Desperado even more. Then uh, we got we had on the undercard of night two, El Desperado got pinned in a multi-man match by Master Watto. And now everyone's like, holy shit, Master Watto getting... So there, there's a lot of good stuff coming out of the juniors division, which is really interesting. Um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, I, I did see some complaints. I did see people going like, oh, of course, uh, Okada wins the title. Of course, Tanahashi wins the title because Tana, the new DQ match was for the IWGP US title. Uh, and, and, uh, um, uh, so of course of course they put the strap back on Tanahashi oh Naito's the first challenger for the title of course of, you know everyone's going eh, they're not building new people here's the thing 2021 for New Japan was a shit year it was a bad snake bitten year for the company both in ring logistically and I'm convinced financially we're going to get their financial reports over the next couple of weeks I'm convinced that 2021 was not a financially solid year for New Japan I'm convinced they lost subscribers on New Japan World gates were not even close to what they were expecting uh COVID railroaded so many matches and so many main events injuries from Will Ospreay Okada got got COVID Ibushi's still injured. Like, just a snake-bitten year. I have no issues at all that for their 50th year, their 50th anniversary, I have no problem. And it makes even a lot of sense that New Japan would go back to the old standards. Put the title on Okada. Put the title on Tanahashi. Get Naito back into the mix. All super popular wrestlers. I would not be surprised at all if they re-roll uh, Tanahashi Okada as a feud this year, as a program, I wouldn't be surprised. And I can't, I can't say that they'll be wrong to do it because they need the draws this year. And this is not to shit on Shingo, who carried most, who carried the belt for most of the year last year, and said Shingo's not a draw. There were too many outside factors to sit down and go and you know pull out your notes and be like. Well, you know, if you consider these gates as opposed to the years previous, you know, Shingo's not a draw. Too many factors that keep you, keep any sane person from saying whether Shingo Takagi's a draw or not. But, Kazuchika Okada, proven draw. Hiromu Takahashi, uh, Hiromu, excuse me, Hiroshi Tanahashi, I have Hiromu on the brain. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, proven draw. These guys are proven draw. Tetsuya Naito, proven draw. Why not go full force with your guys, with your top guys? The guys who you know can drain people, sell merch, go for it. Absolutely. Because, the you know, the COVID situation doesn't seem to be getting better anywhere in the world. It's not getting better in Japan. They're still, do, they're still doing half capacity shows with the clap crowds and, you know, no, shh, no, no one say a word. You know, you can't scream or whatever. At some point, you really start hoping that things are going to get better for them. 
I think they're taking matters into their own hands. They took a couple of risks in 2021, which I appreciate. Will Ospreay, Ibushi, Shingo, you know, all at the top. Different, fresh. I think for 2022, 50th anniversary, probably need to get some get some of that green back into the comp- into the coffers. I think it's a safe bet. I think I think New Japan is going to play very very safe this year, and I don't blame them. I really don't. And I don't blame me wrapping up the weekly wrestling inspection. So next week, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to be breaking down my list, my top 10 matches of the year, as well as my wrestlers of the year on top of that. Are you excited for that? Nah, it doesn't really matter because I'm doing it anyway. Because <laughs> it's fun. I, I think I think it would be a good time to do it. Um, I, I think we were kind of spoiled when it came when it comes to, to, to great matches in 2021. So... Uh, so I think, uh, uh, I, 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 yeah, I think I, I, I'm going to take some time to chat about that next week. So I hope you guys co- come back. I hope you guys are on. Thank you so much, everyone, for hanging out this evening. I really appreciate it if you were here live. Thank you so much. Consider giving a like before leaving. A little subscription. That'd be great. Or if you're watching this on demand, same thing. A little like before leaving. A little subscription. Or if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, thank you. Rate, review, all that kind of stuff. It does help a ton. Thank you so much. 2022, man, is off to a fantastic start. As far as wrestling goes, anyway. And I hope you guys are along for the ride this year. Again, with more of me and my nonsense. Thank you all for hanging out this evening. I hope you have a great weekend. And you know what? We'll see you next time.